You're listening to the Heart First Podcast with Alexandria J. So glad that you are here today. Today, I am chatting with Gorgeous Demi, who is the founder of the Millennial Crisis, a community and movement for millennials to find more purpose, meaning, and fulfillment in their lives. The Millennial Crisis was founded in 2017 after Demi found herself struggling with her life's direction. Demi's career was on the path to society's version of success. She seemed to have it all. However, she found herself feeling lost stressed and anxious as she felt stuck in a career she didn't even know that she wanted anymore. In this episode, Demi and I cover the importance of surrendering to the confusion of your career path, how to navigate being lost in your 20s, the importance of being true to yourself, and so much more. A little side note, I did have some issues with my mic in this episode, so the audio is a little off when I speak. However, Demi's is crystal clear. If you are someone who is in a job right now that seems to be beautiful from the outside, but on the inside you are lacking purpose and feeling deeply lost and unfulfilled, this episode is for you. So career babes, let's dive in and welcome Demi. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So glad to have you here. We're really excited to share you with the community, the Career Babe community, and talk a little bit about the millennial crisis and your story. So welcome. Yeah, thank you. Is it Alex or Alexandria? Which one? Do Alex you is good. Alex, Alex is, good. is good. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I thought you signed everything else off Alex and then I've seen Alexandria here and I'm like, oh God, I don't want to say Alex. And then it's like, you know what people Only take my that shortened version? Alexandria. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Demi, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story and what's led you to do the work that you do now because I know that you have quite a similar story to me um, but I'd love to hear it in more detail of how you've been led into this kind of work. Yeah um, I guess I, I think it all probably started when I was at uni and my whole high school life I think I was really lucky I never had any kind of um, you know, when you like you watch in high school movies, how they all like question like who they are and what they want to do and all of those things. I was always really clear in high school, which is the funny thing. And I think why um, when the millennial crisis kind of idea came up, it was so important for me to do because I think there's a lot of high school information and support about that. But as we get older in life and we start to question things, there's not as much support or um, feeling as if it's okay to make a change or to switch or to question things that you once thought. Um, And I always knew I wanted to be in business. I always had like this idea of me like strutting down like an office cubicle area, which now makes me want to throw up like in a suit. Um, And, and so, so that was always fine. And then I got to uni and 
I just hated it. The, the only reason I was okay in school was because of the social aspect of things. And then I went to Deakin. So it's run there where you don't actually have to attend classes for that to be like graded. Um, I could have just not attended all of my classes as long as I did my assignments and exam. I was all okay to go through. And so once the social aspect was taken away from me, it was like, oh, I kind of hate learning. But now I've realized it's not that I hated learning. It was that I hated learning that way. And I hated learning what they were teaching. So as soon as I realized, as soon as I failed my first two subjects, which then followed another six, um, I, I thought, oh, can I swear on this? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, okay, cool. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. Um, yeah, I, I was like, oh, shit. Um, I need to do something outside of university so I can get a job because this is clearly, my grades aren't going to get me any work outside of this. So I started working in social media. I was really lucky, actually. I got an ambassadorship with Microsoft just by kind of, accident um I would say I wanted to win a keep cup put my email down somewhere and they emailed a bunch of uni students and I just applied for a for a job and they were just looking for eager students and I have a feeling that a lot of students didn't apply for it because they thought oh they're not going to hire me so there's no point um which is was my initial thought when I had um thought about applying I was like oh I just work at Coles like I got a really crappy ATAR score. Why would they want to um, hire me? And that was the first kind of career lesson I learned that I think really shaped the way my career moved was that if you don't try or you don't put yourself into the game, uh, then you're you're never going to know or you're never going to be able to get those incredible opportunities that you think only some people get. Um, We're all that some people. And and yeah, so, so I did that and I started working in socials um, outside of uni and things were going really well from an external perspective. Uh, I guess not from my uni grades, but I was getting by and um, but I was running, yeah, quite a successful kind of, um, I guess, freelance social media business, I would say, until, so I was working like remote and for myself before it was kind of cool. I guess, mm-hmm. um, but I hated it. And I'd say it was like one of the like most miserable periods of my life because- That's working not, alone? Yeah, working alone, being at uni. And although everyone like kept telling me like, oh my God, you're doing so well, you're doing so much, all of that kind of stuff. I was like, I hate this. Um, and I spent a lot of time in between working so much, just like doing nothing, like typical like, Um, millennial things like avoiding life looking at social media instead binge watching shows just to like you know just because like you're tired all the time and maybe I was a little burnt out too Um, maybe it was just like the social part I'm super extroverted but that was when I was like oh maybe this isn't for me uh, and at that point I was 22 and, and I thought it was kind of too late to change anything, which is, which is wild now. Cause I feel like 
it's like I'm so much younger now than I was then and I'm 26 nearly 27 now so it's crazy to think like the difference or how we can feel in those in those moments um and and yeah and then from there I guess the concept of of opening uh I decided to start like opening up to people and being like I actually don't know that what I want to do I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't know what I want to do with my career. Um, I feel a bit miserable and realise that a lot, well, like 90% of people I spoke to felt the exact same. And I was like, oh, (laughs) wow, this is weird that it's something that we don't talk about, that nobody really knows what they're doing ever fully. Um, Maybe we do for a bit a few periods of things or certain areas of our life but um not everything and so from there um by having more and more conversations with people I thought I need to start kind of sharing the information and the conversations I'm having and from there somewhat the millennial crisis was born um essentially that's like the the shortish that was still very long but the shortest version of the story yeah yeah there's so much there that that I can resonate with so much and I know especially my clients can resonate with as well first up being that you so many people don't apply for jobs because they think that they're not going to get them and they don't put their they never just throw out the opportunity or even try because especially um, with women who I work with they're always looking to tick all the boxes on the job ad and it's like so unnecessary so I love what you said there when it came to the point where you were like okay I have no idea what I want to do with my life did you feel some sort of sense of relief huge relief and I think looking back now like I've done a lot of like reflecting on that time and I think um the reason that I was so like apathetic at the time and didn't want to do anything was because I hadn't spoken about it so all of those like um, and I couldn't feel like it was almost like I couldn't I couldn't understand what I was feeling because I wasn't speaking about anything and that's why like through everything I do now I know like conversation and community are like my two biggest values or things that I want to bring to things because I think they're so powerful like we don't speak about things enough um and that shapes a lot like so much um and then community like you can see community built up for like great things and then you can see how community can also breed like really toxic kind of things as well and so like there is a huge power in that um so yeah there was a there was a huge sense of relief for sure yeah, and I, I'm sure when you spoke to so many people about it and they obviously felt the same way, I think that there's so much beauty in just being like, I don't know what I'm doing and having that moment, right? Yeah, 100%. And I think the funny thing is like for anyone listening as well, it's like even though I had said that I'd started like speaking to people about that, I was still putting more pressure on myself to be like, well, I need to figure it out and I need to figure it out quickly. Or like, oh, they don't know what they're doing, but they don't know what they're doing in the same way I don't know what I'm doing. So mine's worse. Or like, oh, they're just saying that, you know, you still have that internal battle with yourself. It's not like this sudden, oh, I've said it and I'm free now and everything is sunshine and roses. Like I still have heaps of moments where I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yes. And honestly, even I do as well in times where 
you know, like the career based philosophy is about building careers based on the person that you are. But I say to my clients all the time that you're, you're constantly evolving and you're constantly growing and you're going to want different things in five years that you want now. And so it's so important to not be this hard on yourself to have things like set in stone. And we talk a lot about how like with a career babe, she holds her career very lightly. And that's the way that you're going to find success is like not trying to have your shit together, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So from 22, when you kind of came to this realization, you like let it all go. How did things unfold from there? Yeah, uh, it, they, they definitely unfolded in a quite an unconventional way, I would say. Um, I actually in when I was yeah when I was 22 um me and my friend applied for my kitchen rules and so we got on the show and we did that and that oh, you were actually there, on there yeah I was I, yeah, I was actually on it so that awesome. was in like 2017 and it's like it's an important part of the story because I don't think if it was for this that things would have happened so quickly I think things would have happened a bit a bit slower for me in terms of making the decision to explore other avenues who knows um but yeah so so we did that and that was when I was opened up to like a creative world so like more media stuff so like creating content seeing people who like produce shows recorded things and just loved what they were doing like I remember after the show I was I, when we went on the show I, I thought still super like career focused I was like I'm gonna make really great relationships with people in the marketing team so I can work in marketing at channel seven after like it was never like I want to do cooking show or anything like that it was more like let me let me do that um and and so I did that but after the show I was like actually like I saw a lot of people that had pursued alternative at the time what I thought was alternative careers and being really successful in them and so I was like oh maybe maybe I could explore that avenue um and from there um me and the girl I went on the show with her name's Katie we started a food and fashion blog so that was pre-millennial crisis um and and from that I started falling in love with creating content, making videos, like connecting with people, like all of that kind of different stuff, like a creative side that I'd never, I guess, followed. Like if I think back, like as a kid, I always did that. I always invited friends over, like made, like did photo shoots of them, like made videos all the time. Like that was definitely stuff that I would do. And I guess because I lost that in like trying to be an adult or like trying to go into that uni side of things. Um, yeah, I, I definitely lost that stuff and didn't realize it was something that I could still do, whether it was a career or just for as a passion or a hobby, um, it, I lost it. And so, yeah, from there, she was in the same boat as she didn't really know what she was doing either. So we wanted to do like a digital series on um, like not knowing what we wanted to do. And when we started recording it, we 
went in the city and we interviewed people like our age and asked them like do you know what you're doing with your life like do you know what you want to do with your career to try and like set the scene and stuff and these two girls started telling me that they were volunteering at a community radio station which was SIN um, which is like at RMIT in Melbourne and I was like what like what do you mean you're pitching a show like I didn't know anything about that and and from that conversation I started to get into like community radio and fell more in like I was already in love with podcasts but from there I was like oh I could do my own and then that kind of video idea fell away and the millennial crisis was kind of born out of that only because I had I guess believed that maybe I could do something else um, as well so that exploration start stuff started there yeah I love that for anyone listening um I just really want you to take this as a key example of the power in just having that moment of defeat where you let go of like I said trying to have it all together and then from that moment it's the start of self-discovery it's the start of you looking for the breadcrumbs of this feels good this doesn't feel good I light up about this I expand with this and this feels like I just want to cringe um so when you said you you said something really important just there about when you were a child you were really creative what do you think is the breakdown in that when we kind of grow up and we go into adulthood for yourself and for so many people, what's the breakdown in that creativity? And in your opinion, how do you think that we lose that? Um, I have a feeling like, I think creative jobs or like just being creative in general is kind of aligned with not making money, you know, or not, or a difficult industry. Um, as well like I remember I think when I was younger I said like oh I I would love to work in fashion like any like or a lot of young girls were like oh yeah whatever we're gonna do we're gonna work for a big like fashion business Um, and I remember a lot of people saying oh you know it's a hard industry to get into um, and all of that kind of stuff and I was like yeah whatever but that I think that creative like work as well is so intertwined with that too So it's the assumption that you can't make a career out of it. And I think that's something I learned through the podcast was that you don't have to make a career out of everything you do. You don't have to make money from everything you do. And often in today's day and age, the things that you don't make money from, the things that you do out of love or fun make you really good at the things that you do make money from and make you kind of stand out in them. Um, it's like when you were younger and they'd always say like, make sure you add hobbies to your resume and you'd put like captain of the soccer team or like, um, (laughs) you know, play netball on the weekends or whatever. Um, because it, it shows you as like a well-rounded or like dedicated person in different ways. Um, and obviously you can still make money from a creative pursuit as well, but I think it's that idea of what an adult is versus or what a professional is um Mm. versus like the reality of like we're all people let's relax a bit yeah yeah and what I love so much about millennials is that I truly think that we're the generation that is going is changing the world because if you look at history we're not that far from generations where it was literally like you just have to make money go to work 
come home and that was very much the philosophy of life like our grandparents very often will tell us that you just got to find find a job don't like if you love it it's a bonus um don't go out and spend however much money on avocado on toast like we're we're completely different in terms of our mindset so I think that we really are the generation that if we embrace the millennial crisis and we embrace the breakdown so that we can really break through and start educating our kids or the next generation that your creativity is so needed. Yeah, 100%. And I think the interesting thing about millennials there in particular versus Gen Z, because I think Gen Z are a lot more bold in that way. They're not afraid and they don't have that kind of turmoil or guilt when they do go for something they want that I think millennials face especially the older you get up the millennial kind of ladder the harder that shift is or that kind of tie Um, and that's because like we are the most privileged generation and the one that has the most opportunity thanks to the internet and the digital age right and because of that we can demand more Um, just as consumers we demand more from our brands and our businesses and we want lower prices and all of that kind of stuff because there's so many more choices out there Um, as like employees or as like you know people in the workforce we can then do the same and the the difference is that like we grew up with a certain pathway set out for us pre-internet right Um, so our parents told us one thing we only saw things on tv and stuff like that that went one way and then the digital age kind of disrupted that and so we've got this thing in our mind where we've got to unlearn all of the things that have been ingrained from us till we were teens like I didn't have a smartphone till I was at 18 so like you know it, it was like we had to unlearn a lot of that kind of stuff and then try and like understand that it's okay that we don't work as still not work not about working as hard it's that like we don't work in the same way that our parents or grandparents did doesn't mean our work is any less and also doesn't mean our problems are any less because of that as well Um, which is where the whole like millennial crisis definition came in, which is essentially like a privileged problem that consciously or subconsciously affects our mental health and well-being. And it's that guilt of like, I've got a roof, I've got friends, I've got a job. Why do I still feel miserable? And then that feel like that embarrassment of not being able to speak about that with people because you're like, it's been drilled into me that this is a dream. This is what I should be happy with why aren't I Mm, for sure what do you think is like the missing link in terms of that happiness it's like you said we've ticked all of these boxes we've got everything that we think that we could possibly want what do you think is the key thing that really makes people unhappy uh great question I I would say like from mine it's just not being true to yourself like not honoring who you are or not even taking the time to understand that or accept that it might be different to who you thought you were Um, I love that so much yeah yeah I I I do I, I do think that and I think that's probably why I was so miserable in those first few years because I hadn't acknowledged that I was doing something that I actually didn't want to do um because I thought 
like the outside, like the external world is telling me like, it's just successful, like really great. And the, the, the best example I have for that was when, when I started the podcast, I actually, maybe this is that, I've got a second part, which I want to mention later because I think um, the career part is is important of it. But I worked four days a week for a business. I was making like um, great money in comparison to my friends. And, and the it was my first like job post uni as well. Um, and like everything else seemed great. Um, the career was going well. Like it was a great business, heaps of room for growth. I was in charge of everything. And then, but I was like not happy in that job and it was just sucking the life out of me and I remember like people being like oh like that's the best like that's so good and me just think sitting there thinking like this sucks like there has to be something more um and and yeah that is that kind of that yeah. privilege problem right or not honoring who yeah. you are or what you want to do I get goosebumps as you say that because it's so true and it's the boat that so many people are in. It's like, I know that I was in it not that long ago where I I was in my dream job. I, I thought I had landed jackpot only for like six months in to be like, what is wrong with me? Like, this is, this is, an, this is an amazing job and yet I'm so deeply unhappy and it's navigating that and having compassion and kindness for yourself again to not have it all worked out all the time mm. what was the career part that you that you wanted to mention yeah um what I wanted to say was that uh, you know how I mentioned in the beginning we spoke about like applying for for that work that you don't expect well when I had applied for this next job so I did my my next career like job was um a, so, a social content writer. Then from then I went freelance again. And then this one, I hadn't graduated uni yet, but don't do this, but I had one subject left. So I put that I had already graduated on my resume. Naughty, <laughs> I know. Um, and I applied for a digital marketing manager role, having never have been a manager before, but I thought I've got freelance experience. Like I've been do like I've been managing people's marketing business, the, the side of their business. So that seems like a logical next step. Me at 23, like, uh. um, <laughs> and so, and so I applied for it. And once I realized that they liked me and I actually didn't really want the role that much. The only reason I was getting it was because my dad was like, Hey, get a job. <laughs> you can't just do this freelance thing. I don't understand this freelance business. Um, <laughs> I, I asked them in that, at the end of that interview to say, Hey, I'm really productive at what I do. I've sat at a desk before for eight hours a day and been twiddling my thumb for three to five hours. A lot of the time, because I am super productive. What are your thoughts on if I can get the job done in four days, which I'm confident I can, that I work four days a week. And they were like, yeah, that's cool. And so I negotiated in that interview four days a week and worst case, they said, no, big deal. I love that. You don't get the job. And I think that learning that, or it was lucky for me. Cause I had a, I don't give a fuck kind of attitude. Cause I was like, if I get the job, whatever, if I don't, I don't, um, it, it really, it really helped. And that's why I like that. Um, not working. Yeah. Working 
your work into your lifestyle is 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 super important too so yeah and I love hearing that because it's it's like it's when people really take ownership of the change that they wish to see in the workplace like I am the exact same I think that the five-day working week slaving your life away in jobs that you hate it's outdated and whether people realize that now or not um, part of like your job and my job is really around that self-awareness and that education so if you're listening to this and you are in a job that is stuck in your absolute life force you are working overtime you feel like you're not even getting paid for what it's worth and let's be real if it's costing you your, your mental health it's already too expensive so 100%. love that so now what would you say is your version of success because obviously that has evolved massively in the last five six years yeah it's that's a that's a great question um I, I would say like uh success doing something successful for me is something that is I can only validate myself right so it's something that doesn't come externally it comes internally and you know how people always say like make your bed every morning make your bed every morning like piss off like making my bed every morning isn't going to do anything um but I think if people like explained the why of making your bed and not saying like it's going to cure depression it's going to cure your anxiety if you make your bed every morning it's no it's the fact that you're building internal validation and trust in yourself right you're saying I'm going to do something and then you're doing it and that like small step the more you add those small tiny things that you're like checking off not your list but like you know checking off in in yourself then allow you to be like oh okay well, why are people doing it that way? And why aren't they doing it this way? And you begin to have that trust in yourself to say, I'm going to actually try it this way. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least I know I tried and I did it. So I think that like um, measurement of success is like doing things my way. And even if that is the worst way ever, which it is a lot of the time, um, you know, knowing that I tried it and not having that regret to say, oh, I wish I'd, I wish I did it that way because I reckon it could have worked you know yeah so yeah Yeah. being bold and that goes back to like the millennials really changing the world shaking things up asking for a four-day work week asking for the pay rise applying for that job it's just about like going in even if you feel blind and you have no idea what you're doing like just get in there and do it so I love that 100% yeah for sure so what with the millennial crisis, can you tell us a little bit more about the community and what it is and how people can be a part of it? Yeah, for sure. So um, it started off with the podcast. We've got season one and two. And then last year, given 2020 and the kind of shit show it was, um, I really wanted to add something. I was in, I was working and traveling in South America when um, COVID first hit. So I had to come back home. The end of like season two had me like quit my job and decide to be like a digital nomad um, and kind of pursue that. 
and then six months in COVID kind of hit and I was like oh haha, I'm now quarantining in my mum's bedroom for 14 days I am back to square one I have no idea what I'm doing like I thought I'd hacked life um, and now I am back at square one and the thing that I really missed about being abroad was connecting with new people and although I could do that on a small scale with the podcast, like interviewing different people. I wanted to have more conversations with people who were listening to the podcast or who just had that same mindset or were just like a couple of notches, um, not behind, but were fresh in discovering that they could do something new um, or different or, you know, needed a bit of a push in that way. So we started, um, I say we, me, I started um, millennial conversation um, events. So we're just virtual events. We're a bunch of like random millennials from across the globe. We got um, a global group, which was really cool. Um, and it would be like between seven and I think the biggest group I capped at like 18 of us, um, we would just discuss a topic and it would just be like open conversation um, with just like a bunch of people who were obviously ready to push themselves because they were jumping on a Zoom call with a bunch of strangers um, and two, setting like a really safe space for people to just be able to talk, um, which were those two things, conversation and community. And so I ran the first event and after the first event, I was like, and nothing to like, it was no, no part of me that made the session amazing. It was, it was the first girl that spoke that really set the tone for everything and was super vulnerable in sharing her story. Her name's Lily and she's, she's been an awesome part of the community as well. Um, which like her sharing her story kind of set the tone for everyone else to feel like they could open up. And from there, I was like, wow, like this is mm -hmm. awesome. Um, and the aim of that was for it to be a bit of a ripple effect, right? So we would have these open conversations with strangers online and then for you to feel empowered to then bring those conversations into your real life or into your circles. Um, and, and yeah, they've just been like, it's, it's been weird. They've been like fun. They've been like empowering. They've been like, um, yeah just like super vulnerable it's it's been when I say it it's yeah it's it's, it's weird but it, they've been really cool so yeah yeah that is the kind of community element of it yeah I love that so much and is would you say that everyone's story kind of is a bit similar is there like some really consistent patterns yeah so the the consistency in that kind of led me to where I'm going this year as well is that one, every convert. So we had like four topic groups. It was like millennials in business. So those in freelance or curious about starting their own business, um, uh, careers with purpose. So talking about what that means, um, mental health in a digital age and digital transformation. And in every single one of those mental health came up. So people's mental struggles, right? And I think the other thing that came up as well was that mental health and mental illness are two different things that get confused a lot. Um, and so that was the first thing. And then the second thing was social media contributed a big factor to that and comparison and perception come in within that. Um, Amazing, yeah. And so I was... and 
to watch each person be like, like you can almost see the relief in people where they're like, what other people, like other people yeah. have that. Um, even like, I think one of the biggest like eye-opening things for me was the amount of males who had body image issues because of social media. And that was a huge shock to me. Cause like we know, like, especially as women, like, you know, that that's a huge part of like women and, and the way we've always been brought up, but to see and hear a lot of the males in our group say it from like 27 to 18, um, mentioning something like that and this huge kind of conversation around that I think was super interesting and then the hustle culture aspect so like the comparison yeah. of like I'm not doing enough for, yeah. how are they more so powerful that kind of stuff yeah yeah something I want to quickly highlight because I know the difference but I know a lot of people listening won't know the difference what's your take on the difference between mental health and mental illness yeah um so I think mental health is definitely something well one mental health is something that everyone has right it's the health of your mind <laughs> um and so i think if you're not feeling great or if you're feeling amazing that is your mental health right it's not that i've got an ache in my shoulder it's those things of like i just don't have the energy to do anything today you know um or the burnout style stuff or um the anxiety that you can get or the overwhelm and all of those kind of stuff whereas mental illness is like um i mean one like they can come like with a diagnosis obviously and stuff like that they can be like um hereditary it can be like your chemical imbalances and all of that other stuff so i think mental health has a broader spectrum in saying like it can be like a tiny little thing in your day um, that causes your mental health to be off or it can be something pretty huge. It doesn't matter which side of the spectrum you're on, your, like, your problems are relative to you and it's still affecting your mind, which means that you need to get on top of that so it doesn't snowball and spiral. Sure. Um, yeah, and, and that is the reason why the, the millennial crisis has such a huge focus on mental health is because... A lot of us are like if, if we're looking at like a, a, a cup, let's say, a lot of us are like if the overflow of the cup, mm, I'm trying to think of how to like explain this, right? Um, <laughs> a lot of us are just, our mental health issues aren't as big as other people's, right? So we're, we're having a lot of mental health issues. This isn't to take away from anything, but we can help ourselves a lot more if we ask for help or we have those conversations and we'll feel that like alleviation, right? As soon as we take care of us, then we can help other people. Um, not saying like in, in a big way, but even in a small way, like just being able to be an ear for someone else. If your mental health isn't taken care of, then you can't really be an ear for someone else, right? Because you've already got all of this other stuff for. So if we take care of these, what we might refer to as privilege or small problems or, you know, that actually take a lot of our day, like the misery we feel in the workplace we're at or those kinds of things. Um, if we take control of that, then we're able to help like more people that might be dealing with larger problems or um, other kind of things. So it doesn't matter like how small you feel your issue is, it's important to like get on top of it, to talk about it, to seek the help you need. Like, um, totally. 
yeah there's no there's no yeah. like rule of like you have to be here to be able to talk about your struggles yeah for sure and how do you think social media has played such a massive role in the millennial crisis yeah um well working in socials for the past I think eight um, eight years this year um I've seen it from both ends right and I think um whether you whether you work in socials or you consume a lot of social media and stuff like that I think there's two major things that affect and, and it's that um comparison and perception right perception because it skews your thought of one how quick things happen or two like how perfect someone's life is and then comparison of like my life is shit in comparison to what I'm seeing online and that takes a toll on your mental health so even when you are relaxing you're feeling guilty for relaxing because you're like uh, when you're relaxing you're scrolling through your socials right or you're watching something and you're like oh my God, this person is killing it. Like they're only 19. How the hell are they doing all of this stuff? La, la, la. And, and that's cool, but they've had a different pathway to you. They've had a different, all of this stuff. And there is no education around that. In schools, there are no conversations on how to navigate social media, the impact it has on your mental health, the fact that you can curate your feed to make it help you versus hinder you, right? Um, and that's different for every single person. For one person, having like health and fitness inspo on their feed is going to really help motivate them. For someone else, it's going to really affect their mental health because they're going to constantly be saying like, oh, I'm not as good as that person or, oh, I'm not doing this much. So they're not going to like take control of that stuff. So um, mm. yeah, it, it it's really dependent on the individual. And it's just a shame that those conversations considering what a big part socials is in our day-to-day -day lives and that millennials and gen z are spending like i mean at the minimum upwards of four hours on there um it's yeah it's it's, it's insane it's insane and it's like any any kind of consumption you know if we're eating crappy food constantly we're gonna feel shit and it's the same yeah. way when we what we consume with our eyes and if you think like four hours at a minimum that is insane four Mental. hours of scrolling and consuming all this content and comparing your life what yeah. are the boundaries that you recommend within your community around social media yeah um the the first thing that I say like to everyone is curate and cut your feed so be a savage unfollow those accounts that don't make you feel good and if some of them are your friends or your family just hide them or mute them or so that way you don't have to unfollow them you don't have to have any kind of drama in that way because we know that sometimes those little things like an unfriend can cause us a lot in That's real a millennial life problem again, hey. <laughs> right yeah um yeah just just mute them and have no shame in that you don't have to you don't have to follow people, you know, that's not an obligation. I think a lot of people feel guilty for unfollowing people. And it's not that you don't like the person, it's that their account isn't helping you in this moment in time, you know, and that can happen for one of your favorite influencers or your favorite brands or something like that. Like you could love everything, but you find yourself comparing yourself too much to them. And that's cool. Um, 
taking like setting a like I I I had to set like rules for myself on weekends of like being okay to like not post or if I do want to post I can but not constantly like being on and like understanding what those boundaries are for you but that's that's like a future step right that's definitely not your initial step because that's really hard to do um and it's something you have to slowly progress into I would say 100% because what a lot of people do is they try and do what they do in January of a new year like I'm gonna eat healthy I'm gonna go to the gym an hour a day I'm gonna do all of the things and then two weeks in you're like oh crap I can't keep up with this and you just fall away so the best first step you can do is to unfollow or mute the accounts that don't make you feel good and search for other accounts that you can diversify your feed with. Um, Cause that can be like super empowering, super educational. Um, it's, it's wild what a good feed can do positively for your mental health. Agreed. A hundred percent. Also I've noticed as well, since I've set boundaries around like like the times that I go on or even just turning my notifications off from Instagram. Oh my goodness. That has been incredibly life-changing because it's like one little light comes up or a message comes up or something. And instantly you're in that vortex that just like sucks you in for four hours. Yeah. 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 It's bad. Yeah. I I did that ages ago and that like, I forgot, I almost forgot what that is like like you know what I mean the only thing I have on is like my message notifications and even there I'm like oh it's it's almost like now for me it's like at the back of my mind I think I got to reply to that message like emails you know like oh remember I've got to reply to that email got to reply to that email got to reply to that email so you don't get to fully relax yeah agreed yeah Um, you don't switch off and you like you miss out on like creating your own life you know yeah I I remember having a conversation with someone recently and we're talking about how social media makes them feel and she was saying the more on it she is the more disconnected she feels even though it's it's a platform designed for you to connect with people it's like you feel so disconnected from your life 100% yeah and and it's also like made us um not yeah like kind of lazy because we can connect with people via mess via a message we don't see our friends or people and as much because of that Mm -hmm. um it's like oh yeah I know what they're doing I know what they're up to and you're like oh I actually haven't seen them in six months wild yeah you know so true I actually saw this thing last night as well and it was like some quote on Instagram funny that but it was like it's how to know if you're buying just purely from ego is like if you're buying something and you couldn't post it on social media or if you're going out somewhere and you couldn't post it on social media would you still do it that that question I have been asking myself for ages now and it was one of the reason I recently bought a van and the reason I sat on the van ideal for so long was because I was like am I buying it? Cause I want to be that bitch. Like, cause I want to like, <laughs> you know, show that I'm doing all of this stuff. And it took me a while to like, I was like, okay, why am I doing this? If I couldn't, if I didn't post it, like I'm such a sharer, I'm more of a sharer than a scroller, which is good in some ways, bad in other ways as well. And um, yeah. And, and that question was something that I sat on for ages. Cause I was like, am I doing it for the content? Yes. Yeah. 
Um, so I want to ask you as well, one last question, just to wrap up our conversation today yeah. for the ladies who are sitting in jobs that they hate and they feel like their life force has been stuck. They feel stuck and frustrated, really not sure what the next step is. If you can yeah. give one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, I'll tell you what I did to make the move to quit my job like that. And it was, I, I don't know if you can share this somewhere, maybe in the show notes or something, but I asked myself um, nine questions every day for 14 days. It actually like ended up being 30 days in the end, but writing, answering these questions and writing it down and putting it in front of you. I find that if you write something down, you can't lie to yourself like you can in your mind. Cause in your mind, you've got like five voices saying like, Oh yeah, but also, but actually, but you know, <laughs> and you so can true. do that. Yeah. Whereas on paper, I find you can't. And it's, it was one of like the first few days is really hard, but when you get to like, you don't know what you want to write down and all of that stuff. But when you get to like day four, five and six, you start getting deeper into it and the answers get a little bit longer. And then you start seeing patterns and you realize that you're not actually doing the things that make you happy or the things you want to do. And by doing that, it made me real. it like got me to a point where I was like, there is no way I could lie to myself because it was so clear that this was not it. And if I'd never done that, I could have been stuck there and lied to myself for another three to five years easy. And you see that happen yeah. to people all the time. Um, and I found that was a really great way to like take action. And also like the last question is like, what is one small step you can do right now? And that started off by like Googling different things or maybe like, you know, it can be something super tiny um, or looking for another job or saving a job on LinkedIn, you know, or updating something in your resume. It can always be something small. Um, but yeah, that, that was a huge thing. So I don't know if, if, if you can, um, I can share with you the questions or something yeah, or, um, people definitely. can answer something like that, but that was, that was the biggest and best thing I ever did. Yeah, awesome. I will grab those questions from you and I will put them in the show notes below along awesome. with all of your details, your website and your social media so that people can get in touch with you. If you are in a space where you're really feeling like you need that community and you need people to speak to in this area, especially around your mental health, or if you're feeling like you have a millennial problem that you don't feel is big enough to talk about, encourage you to really reach out to Demi and be a part of her community so thank you so much for being on today thank you so much Alex it was an absolute pleasure um yeah I'm I'm excited to to hear and um hopefully say hi to some of the people in your community as well awesome bye Demi thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of heart first I hope you found it helpful until next time take care lead from the heart you know what to do